0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 5 of the 100 Foot Jesus Podcast. My name is Matt Hafer, and I will as always be your host. Uh, Guys, it's been a really fun ride these last four weeks. Uh, Last week, so good. Um, I got to tell a story about suffering with my wife a bit, about having a miscarriage. Cool conversations have started with others who have been through this as a result of what we got to talk about. If you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode, I highly recommend it. Um, it's mostly her talking and not me, which in my opinion is probably a good thing because she's got like a crazy, sweet, good radio voice and her content's so good. And, you know, I'm me. You're hearing this right now. So um, if you get a chance, look listen to back to episode four of The Time We Had Our Miscarriage. And um, it may not be for you, but it could just kind of let you understand what it's like to go through suffering biblically. So this week is tied. this week's episode is on the topic of why I got into ministry for all the wrong reasons. And this might be a good cautionary tale for some of you who are starting into pastoral ministry. Um, this could be a good education for those of you who have who have a relationship, like you're friends with your pastor, but you don't really know your pastor. And this could be um, just a really good, yeah, me too moment for those of my brothers and my sisters who are involved in ministry right now. So um, I wanted to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit of the vulnerability, maybe the honesty of um, what it is to be in this thing called ministry. So I mentioned on, I believe, our first episode, episode one. Um, about how I got into ministry because I wanted to be a cool pastor, you know the cool ones like the podcast ones like um today it's like your Steve Furdek's, your Judah Smith, uh your Levi Lisco or Labisco what go Someone correct me on that. Uh, comment me something. I don't know. Um, anyway, these cool guys, Craig Groeschel's, the cool guys. I want to be a cool guy in the ministry, but I also had this big calling of, man, I just don't feel like the church is for a guy like me. Cause as I mentioned, like youth group, I didn't feel was built for a guy like me. Like I didn't feel like it felt like it was for the less popular crowd. And I know that's horrendous to say, cause it is horrendous to say, but I felt like I was more so someone who was striving for popularity and it was kind of a death sentence to be seen with goofballs from youth group. So I was like, okay, that's not really for me. And also, I was a little bit of a partier when I was in school, so youth group kids weren't allowed to be around me. (laughs) So I felt, man, there has to be a church that's just honest, you know, like you could come to, and you're screwed up, and you own that. And I still feel that way. Um, I worry sometimes when we have Bible discussions and we listen to sermons that sometimes we are really quick to amen the sins of everybody. But when it comes to our sin, we just kind of be like, "I got it handled." But theirs, theirs is gross, and I feel like maybe we were that way a little bit. But I got into church to start a church for someone that's kind of like me. So I, but also, I just wanted to have a lot of notoriety and be famous. Um, <laughs> and I understand that like fame and Christianity is different. Uh, my friend Zach Thompson, we call him Murdoch or the Murdoch. When I was in college, we had this band called uh, Shane and Shane on campus, and I'm not trying to disparage their name here, but I'm just telling you like they were, they were less than kind to some people. <laughs> and I remember Murdoch told them, he goes, you guys know you're big in Christianity, but there are garage bands with a bigger following than you. And I just thought that was really funny. I love Shane and Shane, by the way, I'm not trying to diss them, but they're awesome. But basically Christian famous, isn't world famous, you know, right now, Kanye's experiencing both, but I never got to experience both. But, Anyway, so I got into ministry for all of the wrong reasons. Um, basically, I wanted to be a part of a mega church, like now. I thought if I have really cool sermons, I get to be a part of a megachurch. And so I go into ministry. Um, I start helping at this little church on the weekends. That's It's about three and a half hours from my college campus. Because <laughs> often when you're in ministry... In college, you have what's called a weekend ministry that you go and you help out at. I was in youth ministry. Guys, I've never been in youth ministry in my life. So I mean, never went to one. So at this point, I'm like 20 and I'm helping out with a youth group. Not the best idea, but I was. Um, (laughs) And then, and I was, and something I noticed really quickly that kind of caught me off guard about being in ministry um, it's a lot more thankless than I expected. Like what I assumed was you're everybody's like big deal, you know, like everybody kind of looks up to you a little bit. Um, Not really that way, especially just be honest with you guys, when you're in the youth pastor or the children's pastor or the worship pastor or whatever position, because sometimes act like you're kind of a pastor in training (laughs) a little bit. So I was kind of humbled more than I thought I would be. Some, because I thought people would think I'm a bigger deal. Initially, they didn't, which, by the way, that was good for me at the time. Um, I noticed something, and I'm not trying to disparage, because I will not name names on this episode. I'm going to say some things that are kind of controversial, but I'm not going to name names as for my experiences, but I want you guys to kind of share in my experiences a little bit. There are people that I was around that were in church leadership. I am not talking about staff members, but church leadership that, to be honest with you, just completely honest, um, (laughs) gun to my head, tell the truth, dude, um, honesty, I'm not so sure they had a relationship with Jesus at all. But they were thrust upon being a leader in the church. They were given the title of, director of blank, or they were given the title of deacon in the church, or elder. (laughs) And when you really sat and talked with them, they were kind of bitter, angry at the world folks, a lot of baggage in their life, but showing fruit, you know, like bearing fruit of being in a relationship with Jesus, I didn't see any. Like, it felt like they were, and this is going to sound terrible, but again, I'm just going to be real with you guys. It felt like a lot of, over the years, I've seen different leaders in churches that I feel like don't have a lot of relationship with Jesus, they were kind of angry people that wanted to be in charge of someone. So they felt like, we'll put them in the position they are, and then hope they act good, and they don't. They um the average stay for a youth pastor at a church right now, I believe, is right around two years. And I've seen that a lot. Because guys come there, they get treated absolutely horrifically, and then they leave quickly, and they go to the next place. And then hopefully that kind of person's not at the next one. And the abuse cycle just kind of keeps going. Um, it it creates in these young men and women kind of this, um, I mean the pastors, it creates in this these young men and women um kind of a callousness which means like they're emotionally numb to people like the trust factor is very difficult because they have people that again should be kind of spiritual mentors to them that may not even be saved and they just kind of come down on them really hard <laughs> um i had some really tough conversations early in ministry where i was kind of looking for guidance and all i really got is well we've done it this way our entire lives You'd better do it this way or you're gone. And I had been at this place for five weeks. <laughs> I didn't know the names of most of the families there. But I was told, if you don't do it this exact way, you're gone. And I coach three young pastors right now, and they've heard that kind of thing all around the country, too. It's, it's difficult. But I was in this for notoriety, and quickly I realized Man, being in the ministry, you're just not going to get famous and cool, and, and you're especially not going to using scripture. So <laughs> if you really teach scripture and you and you really want people to see, you really want to see Jesus formed in people, man, you're, the, the cool factors is just not going to work. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I was at this little church. I went to a bigger church, which I still love this church so much. Things were really, really good. Um, I got to interact with some other different churches and that kind of thing. Um, I noticed that preaching's really great, but it's also a vulnerable thing because like the vulnerability is this guy's like you have no idea what it's like for your your guy or whatever to be on stage. Um, like I noticed this early on if people aren't engaged in what you're saying, you know it quickly. but also if you're around amen people, that can be dangerous too, right? because If they don't amen something, you're like, oof, what did I do? (laughs) And you just kind of wonder, like, man, what what did I do wrong that I didn't get amen?" I I was at a church before this once where some people amen everything. Like, um, I heard a guy saying the homosexuals are all going to go to hell. And then everybody went, amen. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is weird on a lot of levels. (laughs) And then I was at another one where a guy said, yeah, and then this person was possessed by seven demons. And I heard a great lady say, amen. And I was like, you just amen, demon possession. Okay, we might want to define what causes amens. But anyway, sometimes you play on the reaction, and so you get your definition of things to do. Um, I started to get to the point where I could preach well, pretty dang well, actually, (laughs) Um, I knew the exact timing and cadence and phrase to make you cry, and I figured out how to make you laugh. Learned a lot of that from stand-up comedy, less from preachers, just to be real with you. remember years ago, this guy named Mark Driscoll said, if you want to learn how to communicate when preaching, listen to Chris Rock more than you listen to Billy Graham, because he's like, those guys communicate. They know timing, so I was like, okay, I got timing down, so I could be funny. I could use a text of scripture And I wasn't really trying to teach this text of Scripture. Just be real with you, I was trying to get you to react to something, to do what I thought God wanted you to do. But I wasn't really using the Bible to do that. I was just using that to motivate you. So you could remember the phrase I said later on that day, or you could write this note down that I said. And I really just wanted me to be seen. That was kind of the initial idea. Um, And that happened for years. And I thought, man, things are going... Pretty good, but why do I feel so empty inside? I'm probably doing what you want me to do, God, but man, why, (laughs) why am I feeling so empty? Like, why is this not working? So, then just be honest with you. I got kind of lazy. I thought, well, this will. I mean, I don't really have to do much here because I just give these speeches and then I have a relationship with people. So I kind of did what a lot of pastors do. I isolated myself. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll preach, but I don't really have to know you. I don't have to know your kids. I don't have to be a part of a small group. I'm glad they exist, but I don't want to be in one. Or if I'm in one, I'll lead one and I'll do most of the talking. But I don't want to sit under teaching. Because I thought, man, I, I just, I don't want the messy. I, I, don't, want to me- I don't want to be messy. I, I just want the, the easy, tidy sermon. Good, you liked it. Church was growing, thought things were good. I thought everything was great up until <laughs> this uh, moment where everything changed for me. Like everything as far as ministry, mindset, um, as far as missions, as far as being a follower of Jesus changed for me. And um, I'm going to tell you about that right after a short break. So as I was saying before the break, um, yeah, so... <laughs> Everything was going well, American-wise, I guess. You know, the American church. People were showing up. Uh, People were getting baptized. Things were good, man. I thought it was cool. I started hearing about this new pastor. He wasn't new, but he was new to me. His name was Francis Chan. Some of you guys listen to this. You're like, oh, yeah, I know Chan. Like, I once told someone when I saw Francis Chan speak that they're like, who's he? And at the time, this reference made sense. I was like, he's kind of like Usher for preachers. Like, we're like, we want to look like him, be like him, you know, whatever. Anyway, but he was different. Um, he he wasn't cool. He cared a lot about what scripture said and what God called him to most. So one day I am reading, um, I, I'm, I'm reading online about, you know, some, some really good uh, Christian books to read, you know, like what is the next good Christian book? to read and just to, um, you know, just to get motivated to maybe get other people to read that kind of thing. And someone directed me towards this book. I know it's a household name for some of you guys, but this book was called crazy love by Francis Chan. And, um, I was like, dude, I just, I really want to check this book out. I don't know. So I started reading it. And I remember as I cracked this thing open, I had been a believer a little while. And, and I cracked this book open, and all of a sudden, <laughs> um, it, uh, it changed the way I saw everything I thought about God and myself. Like, <coughs> uh, excuse me, I'm reading this book, and I'm thinking, like, he talks about how God has this relentless pursuit of you, but you have to not be a believer, you have to be a disciple. And he was talking about how there is no distinguishing factor between believers and disciples in Scripture. Like, you have to want to do this stuff. <laughs> like, you have to you have to actually read Scripture and obey it, both. And I know as a believer, you're hearing this, and you're thinking, who the heck doesn't do that? I didn't. I didn't want to. I wanted to tell you to, but I didn't want to. Like as far as giving to the church, at the time, my family, we weren't giving that much money to the church. We weren't, because in all all actuality, didn't care to. And I know that sounds terrible, but my heart wasn't God's yet. So <laughs> I started hearing this and I realized something very important. I remember I am just sobbing. I am crying at my desk in my office that pages are all highlighted. <coughs> Excuse me, but they have like tears on them. And I remember thinking, I don't have a relationship with God. Jesus, I don't have a relationship with you. (laughs) I was probably converted years ago, probably, but I never gave you my heart. I never gave you my life. I think I gave you my career. I think I wanted the good stuff from you, but God, I haven't obeyed you. So I sat right there. And I held this book, and it made me want to hold another book called The Bible and just read it in just a real passionate way. He talked about, um, in the book, Francis Chan talked about this idea of we are lukewarm in loving it. Now, you know the idea of being lukewarm. It's from uh, Revelation 3. And he talks about how lukewarm, you know, being lukewarm is kind of like coffee, right? Like some people love cold brew coffee, so, and so you're cold. And, and being cold is like, I'm not in this relationship with God at all. Some people like hot coffee, and that's like you're hot. Like your relationship with God is burning hot. It's on fire. But no one likes room temp coffee. And that's like being lukewarm. And, and Scripture says that when you're lukewarm, God will literally spit you out of His mouth. Or actually, as the Greeks is trying to say, He will throw you up. I was lukewarm at best, and I loved being lukewarm. I loved being safe. I loved being easy. I loved not getting to know my people. I loved not being the husband God called me to be. I loved not being the dad God was about to call me to be, because I wasn't even a dad yet. I loved it. And I realized, God, I am a pastor who doesn't know you. There's There's a section in scripture where Jesus talks about a false convert people that come to him one day and say, Lord, Lord, we cast out these demons in your name. We healed people. We did all these things. And he says, yeah, but you never knew me. You did stuff for me, but you didn't know me. So depart from me. I never knew you. That was me. <laughs> so at that moment, I changed everything. I sat there and I wept and I said, God, if you want me to keep doing this, I got to do it differently. I changed the way I preached, I changed the way I studied scripture, I changed the way I pastored people. I started to pastor people, to get to know them, to love them, to show them how big of a screw up I am, (laughs) and just to be the man God wanted me to be. So, why do I mention this? First of all, as a cautionary tale, some of you people, some of you men, women, want to get into ministry. Make sure you're doing it because it's a calling from God. Like, this is the thing God wants me to do. Guys, you're not going to get rich at this. You are not going to be encouraged as often as you wish. (laughs) But is this what you feel like you have to do? Like, are you just trying to fill a spot? Is this a job to you or is this a lifestyle to you? Because it's going to be hard. It is hard. It's going to get harder for me someday or today. I don't know. (laughs) But, um... Is this what you're supposed to be doing? Those of you who have a pastor in your life, encourage them. Man, if you find a scripture or a sermon, not theirs, by the way, someone else's, a sermon that really built you up, send a link to them, call them up, tell them you love them. I'm not saying tell them they're awesome. Tell them you love them you know how much it means sometimes in this lonely kind of lifestyle we have to be told we are loved guys just do me a favor when you're done with this google all the different statistics of depression alcoholism divorce um anxiety when it comes to people in ministry we get a lot we get a lot of attack from people and demonic forces and just please encourage them so much and this is for any of you guys Make sure, lastly, that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, a real personal relationship with Him. I'm not saying you attend Bible study because you should. I'm not saying church. I'm not saying group texts. I'm not saying um, you share a lot of stuff on Facebook. Do you have a real relationship with Jesus, like to where it is all that matters? Are you in a position where you read scripture because you want to? Are you in scripture? do You read scripture when you, in a situation where you read scripture when you don't want to. Make sure you have a real relationship with Jesus yourself. Anyway, guys, that's about it for me today. This has been episode five. If you guys could, please um, leave a review on the different, whatever you, wherever you listen to our podcast on, whether it's uh, Apple Podcast or wherever else. Um, leave a review on Facebook. If you want to and on the page, some people have been doing that. Um, we love five-star reviews, five-star reviews help. And, um, and it just helps us get the word out for what we're doing. Uh, leave me a voicemail on here if you'd like to, and I'll get back to you, maybe play it on the show or send me a message about anything else. All right. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. And this has been episode five.